2: hello hello and welcome back to when in romance where we get to talk about all kinds of fun things related to romance novels and the people that read them and write them i am jess and i'm trisha and we are recording on thursday september 29th 2022
0: Indeed we are, but if you're listening to this, it's October, and I know we say this every time, but, like, literally, it's just, I I don't know, Jess, time yeah. is, it's over, it's meaningless.
2: It, it just, it goes, and it, like, that particular time
0: period just, like, disappeared. It really did. It truly did. Uh, but I like October, so I'm good with it. Also, yeah. I have like some fun plans, as you do as well. We'll talk about yours later. Mine is just a, a wedding, and <laughs> I don't think any of you are invited, so it's probably <laughs> probably not really your thing. But you know, if you have a wedding or another event in October, hooray for you! Uh, oh, but we'll talk about yours a little later on. Before we do, we do have actually some very exciting news. Book Riot is now the proud collective authors, even though I had nothing to do with it. I don't know that you did either, Jess. <laughs> I a know. Newly released book, <laughs> Reading the Stars. So first of all, click on the the link will be in the show notes. Click on it if for no other reason than to look at the cover. It is beautiful and it is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's about how your reading fits with your astronomy. You know what? I'm just going to go to the talking points because I am doing a terrible job of explaining this already. Reading the Stars (laughs) by Book Riot will help you better understand your zodiac sign and how it shapes your reading life. See? One sentence. That was pretty clear. Uh, Are you a Libra who prefers balance and fairness or a Pisces whose emotional intelligence demands a vulnerable memoir? Which are you, Jess? What are you? Wow, I am neither of those. I am a Gemini. I'm a Capricorn. We'll have to read this just because our signs aren't in the show notes, so we're going to have to we have to read it no, and figure we need it out. To know. Um, and we can uh, not only read reading the stars, but reading the stars offers book recommendations to help you build on your strengths, explore areas of growth, understand your own sign and learn about others. And I will say that is my favorite thing about astrology is like reading about how my sign works with other signs or doesn't.
3: Mm-hmm. I have
0: spent yeah. many an evening learning about why past relationships did not work out. It's the stars problem. It's not about me. Uh, (laughs) Whether you know your birth chart by heart or are just getting curious about astrology, Reading the Stars is for you. And Publishers Weekly calls Reading the Stars an ideal gift for bookworms with a celestial bent. There you go. Here's like the fun bonus. Yeah, like you can actually through October 31st, All Hallows Eve, as we call it here in the States, you can enter to win book rides reading the stars with an obvious state celestial print notebook and tote bundle. I know that sounds a little confusing. Click on the link in the thing and you'll see what the what the giveaway is for. The link to the giveaway will be in the show notes. The link to the book will be in the show notes. We are very excited about this. I actually probably am going to click on the link from our show notes and buy this book, because like I said, there's a lot to learn. (laughs) There is a lot to learn. Uh, So yeah, take a look at that. But since I don't think either of us uh, currently have a copy, Jess, what are you reading instead?
2: Well, I am bouncing around a lot right now because the same way that September has gone by quickly, so has my reading life. Like, I... I know I read Witchmark Mm -hmm. this month, but what else did I read? I don't even know. But what I have been doing is listening to Wicked Beauty by Katie Robert. It's the third book in her Dark Olympus series. And this one features Achilles and Patroclus already in a relationship and uh, Helen potentially joining that relationship. And there's like a Hunger Games kind of thing going on. And it's, it's fascinating. Um, and it's very well narrated. And honestly, you can probably start here if you just want to sort of dabble into the Dark Olympus. Because while the stories build, much like your average romance series, it's not like a continuance of a big story about the same people it is you know this couple that couple this triple that quadruple i don't think i don't think she's written any quadruples just yet
0: but you know just yet yeah let me ask you this are you liking it better because you may recall we actually did a katie robert mmf book here on on online in romance we did that i think you and i both had kind of mixed feelings about are you liking wicked beauty better I am. Part of it
2: is just the characters and the way that they all approach life. Like, I think we talked about in The Beast, like, everybody was kind of angry. And so, like, their emotional connection was being sort of overrun by all of this anger. And in this one, they're much less angry and more interested they're goal oriented but they're not trying to sabotage each other like emotionally
0: i like it yeah that's a that's actually yeah that actually tells us i think a fair amount about the difference between these two books yeah so well that's good to know i actually have not read anything in that series yet so maybe it's time yeah Yeah, it's very interesting because it's like it's olympus but these are still
2: very human people
0: I like that. Yeah. Uh, I will say I'm with you in that I feel like reading for me. this has been like a really stressful month for me in a variety of like not for any bad reason, just, you know, like work stuff and all that. So I have not, I'm actually delighted that we were doing book club because it has been harder and harder to find time to sneak books in, but I needed to read Witchmark and we'll talk about it later, but I, I was very glad that I did. So I'm a little kind of behind on things, but the book that now that I have finished Witchmark and now that things are slowing down a little bit, I am excited to pick up is one that I think I talked about as one of my most anticipated Mm -hmm. for the second half of the year. And that's Partners in Crime by Alicia Rye. And it is, I I will be honest, this is, it's been a minute since i read an Alicia Rye book. I read her entire first trilogy that started with like a tattoo artist. It was wonderful. And Mm -hmm. I read one or two of the books in her last trilogy. And just for whatever reason, never got to the third. This is a new book. Either the beginning of a series or a standalone, but you, it's there's no there's nothing that comes before oh. in this world as far as we know, and it is about uh, a woman who is in her mid thirties. She decides she's ready, like she's ready to just settle down with somebody boring, get set up, whatever. She just like has found her herself at a place in her life where she's ready to settle down. So, um, she goes to an app that specializes in matchmaking. And she meets Naveen, this English professor. He's normal, uneventful, as, you know, it says in the description, potentially even boring. Mm -hmm. And then things, she goes to Las Vegas, and things just kind of get a little nutty from there. Mm -hmm. My understanding is that this book all takes place over the course essentially of like one night. Oh, wow. And there are capers, and they're in Vegas. And it's, I don't know, I have a feeling maybe Naveen is also not quite what she thought Mm. originally. He might be... And I just really like the way that Alicia Rai writes characters. She writes them like with such nuance. She also has kind of a sharp sense of humor. Like her books are tend to be more dramatic than some of the other romances we read, but there still is humor in them. There's like a sharpness in the humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to get into it. I think it'll be a good kind of get back on the reading train. Yes. That's a thing. That's a thing that people say. Yeah. Uh, get back on the reading train book. So again, that's Partners in Crime by Alicia Rye. I'm excited about it. Have you read this one? It comes out in like, I think, mid-October. I haven't. I'm
2: staring at my copy, but I haven't picked it up yet because well, sure. that's yeah. that's like the name of my memoir. And yeah. the same thing <laughs> will be happening when I'm old enough to
0: really consider writing a memoir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's great. At least you know. At least you have it figured out already what you're going to call it and how it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, And I actually want to do a follow-up on my discussion of the book that I was reading last time. Um, But before we do that, I think maybe why don't we take
1: a quick break. Okay. Leave everybody in suspense and then come back. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show.
3: Today's episode is brought to you by The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by Katie Hoffman. The pressure cooker of minor league baseball leads to major chemistry in this exhilarating, sexy, and triumphant rivals-to-lovers debut romance. Gene Yonescu is the first openly trans player in professional baseball. He has nearly everything he's ever let himself dream of. That is until Luis Estrada, Gene's former teammate and current rival, gets traded to the Beavers. Now, Gina and Louise can't manage a civil conversation off the field or a competent play on it, but in the close confines of dugout benches and roadie buses, they begrudgingly rediscover a comfortable rhythm. As the two grow closer, the tension between them turns electric and their chemistry spills past the confines of the stadium. So this is one of the first adult rom-coms published by a major publishing house centering a gay trans man by a gay trans man. It also has ADHD and anxiety representation and some joyful, heartfelt moments. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to The Dial Press, publishers of The Prospects by K.T. Hoffman, for sponsoring this episode. All right. So those of you uh, following along at home
0: might recall that I was about halfway through, at least 30 or 40% of the way through, The Simple Wild by K.A. Tucker um, Mm -hmm. when we did our last episode I was not one hundred percent sure about whether or not to go on. I kind of had sort of mixed feelings. I heard enough from people over the course of the last few. We, I did. I heard from probably half a dozen people, all of whom said they liked it, that they would. People, <laughs> everyone who listens to the show is so nice. People were like, "It's okay if you don't want to continue, but I will tell you. I hope that you like it, and I hope that you do." <laughs> nobody was like, nobody, nobody came through and said, "Yeah, definitely drop it. It's not going to get better." and you should just walk away. Mm-hmm. So I think I am going to, like I said, I put it down. But now, as of I think yesterday, I've gotten a good amount of feedback. And uh, I think I'm, I'm going to get back into it. And I will I will keep you well posted. But in the meantime, huge thanks to everybody who weighed in. There was a lot of enthusiasm for this book. And I genuinely really wanted the insight and appreciate people who took the time to, to let me know what they thought. So thank you. And uh, maybe by next episode, I will have finished it and I can report back. Excellent. So that is one piece of follow up. We also, speaking of Katie Robert, <laughs> we might just need to, you know, in our some of our early days, we just needed to have like a standing, you know, Alyssa Cole or Rebecca Weatherspoon section. I feel like maybe these days, it's just for a Katie minute Robert. we need a standing Katie Roberts section this of the week podcast. in Katie Robert. <laughs> yes, but actually, kind of just yeah. this week in Katie Robert. Dot, dot, dot. Do you want to, we talked a little bit about the bookish box stuff last time. Do you want to update folks on what happened in the meantime?
2: Absolutely. So um, if you, if you listened to the last episode, you know that there was an issue in which bookish box contracted Katie Roberts publisher to produce special edition versions of a couple of her books and ended up sending her 8,000 Tippins to sign, and Katie was unable to sign all 8,000 of those, so she used a stamp. And people got pissy, and stuff happened. There were a lot of ableist call-outs and all of that stuff. Since then, there were a few events, one of which was the Bookish Box making an announcement saying that Katie herself, like, profusely apologized to anyone um, who was misled or something, and then Katie was like, "I didn't approve that." So <laughs> then she had to go on and say, "I did not apologize. I used an a mobility aid because I could not physically sign that many things." And then bookish box once again. Oh wait, nope. I skipped a step because Sourcebooks indeed made a statement saying that they stood behind Katie and her needs, and did not feel the need to disclose Katie's disability, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, basically saying, we stand behind Katie, whatever happens. And they are her publisher, just to be clear. They, Sourcebooks is her publisher. Um, for those books that are traditionally published, Sourcebooks is the one who publishes them. They published the Wicked Beauty and the Dark Olympus series. So, and then... Bookish Box produced a three-line apology to Katie saying they're sorry if she felt unsupported by them. They were going to try to do better. And Katie basically said, okay, that's it. That's the end. I forgive you. Let's move on. Let's everybody move on. And that is the conclusion of the Katie versus Bookish Box saga. And hopefully everyone
0: will move on and enjoy the rest of their lives. (laughs) Yeah. And I can understand how as the person really centrally involved in this and who is most unfortunately impacted by it, Katie is ready for people to move on. As a casual observer, I am also ready for people to move on. (laughs) Like, I am kind of astonished that this has lasted as long as it has. I mentioned on the the last podcast that I think if a person is disappointed about something, that is fair, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can be disappointed that your favorite author's signature is not legible, right? If I was signing books, you would have no idea what my name was. You <laughs> dispo- like, human feelings are valid, mm-hmm. but what really got messy here and in some ways kind of hurtful is the way people handled those feelings. And I I posed this question to you before we started recording, Jess, and, and you didn't quite answer it, but I <laughs> I think I might know where you're going or what, where you're thinking, but I'm curious. I pose the question to you: Do you think in an age pre TikTok, and I, I just mean pre TikTok, I don't mean pre social media, because I do think that the per- the presence of TikTok in the bookish world or book talk, as the youths are calling it, uh, <laughs> has made as is, is makes a difference. And to me, it seems like that is maybe part of why this just went, like, on and on and on and on.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you think
0: I – I'm mean, and you're on TikTok and I'm not, so I, I'm interested in what you think because I might very much be wrong about that.
2: I think you're right. Like, I, I don't see everything that happens on TikTok because their algorithm is such that I – like, sometimes I feel protected from some of the, like, more – Outlandish things that are happening on TikTok because of it, but also then I have to like go digging to find things, mm-hmm. and there is sort of this element of the the format of TikTok where people can get on and just talk, and it's not like Vine, which was TikTok in like thirty seconds or twelve mm-hmm. seconds or something, some very brief amount of time that you could post a video. Way back when in the era of Vine, this is like. I am going to get on my own personal, much easier to expose myself YouTube channel and yell about this thing. And then it's going to get back to the people who it's related to. And then we're just going to start this yelling circle And I know that that is not all that TikTok does. But when things like this happen, you know, you were talking about like, when there was still other social media, people could go on Twitter, they could go on Instagram, and it's very text-based, and it feels less inflammatory sometimes because you're reading text. You're not just like, absorbing these people talking about things.
0: I think that's exactly it. Like, I think in a way that, because we used to talk particularly in the early days of this show and less so now, but we talked a lot about romance Twitter. Mm -hmm. The conversation was largely happening on Twitter. And I think for me, having, I'm not on TikTok, but I've seen the videos and I, you know, I can access some of it. And just seeing how hurt Mm -hmm. and surprised Katie was by the reaction is I think one of the things that really kind of impacted people and and did kind of stir people up in in whatever way which again absolutely not a bad thing absolutely not a fault but i do think it's different Mm -hmm. from like you were saying just reading text on twitter and this kind of thing for whatever reason on instagram never seems to be as explosive as Mm -hmm. it was on twitter and seems now to be even more on tiktok yeah so i don't know yeah i don't i don't know what it like i know what it
2: is it's it's tiktok as like a a space and the way that everything works and the way that things go viral and the way that more people see more things, because it's a lot harder to see something on Instagram if it's somebody you don't follow. Yeah, less so now that used to be, but yes. Yeah, like I, like, I know that I see more things that I don't follow, but it's still being fed to you in a very Absolutely. different kind of way than TikTok does and you know like like you said like those those feelings are expressed in a very different way on tiktok and it's just like it becomes a huge cycle of feelings um one thing elevates to another thing elevates to another thing and it elevates to another thing and it's not just the Katie robert thing it's sort of like how discourse happens on tiktok
0: yeah no i think that's true and i don't know i don't know if it's good or bad right like i don't i I mean, like, which is true of what 99% of all the things ever that yeah. have ever happened. Because um, I do, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate that Katie had to go through this experience and it does seem was very hurt by it. It also opened up a conversation that, you know, maybe she would say is worth it. Maybe she wouldn't. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. but it is, it's interesting to kind of watch the discourse take on what seems to be a different, I don't know, just a different frame.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I will say, like, sometimes I miss the era pre-TikTok because I have to go digging for videos with captions because I am very bad at watching people talk. Mm. But that's a very personal thing. Um, And luckily, like, in general, Katie is actually one of the best people I've seen at making sure that her videos are captioned
0: correctly. So there is that. (laughs) Well, everybody on TikTok, go follow Kate. Do you follow people on TikTok? Is that how it works? You
2: do, um, okay. but you have to make sure you're actually like seeing the people you follow because if you just do the for you, then you, you're you never seeing the people you follow.
0: Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. Uh, well, everybody follow and keep seeing Katie Robert. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. I don't know. Any other follow-up you want to do on that one, Jess?
2: No, I think I think that's it. We, we've we we've talked about
0: it plenty and we can move on. <laughs> and I feel like my theme of that episode was saying I don't know over and over again or that discussion. So probably a sign that I should stop talking about it for sure. <laughs> and as a little bit of a palate cleanser, um, I am just going to tell you all I'm going to link in a show note in our show notes an article from McSweeney's, which is uh, a humor, like, online magazine, I guess I would say. Yeah, that sounds right. That our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, found and dropped in our Slack. It is called, We Are a, picture- a Picturesque Small Town and We Refuse to Be the Setting for Your Romantic Comedy. And it made my month. It so is this much. whole list of this, <laughs> the citizens of Spirit Falls, because of course it's called that, and the resolutions that they have to make sure that no... People can, like, that. there's, it's all of the tropes of romances. Like, for example, uh, our bed and breakfast, the Falls Inn, has no beds at all. Our hotel, the Spirit Inn, offers only rooms with two beds. (laughs) Uh, My personal favorite might be all billionaires and Spirit Falls must be in a long-term committed relationship and or talk about Bitcoin to the extent that precludes romantic interest in them. (laughs) It's just, like, a very fun, delightful article that I'm going to keep on my list of things that delight me for whenever I'm having a bad day.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: will link to it so that you can all read it. Read it if for no other reason than they list all of their small town businesses.
2: So great.
0: Which is just their combination coffee shop and used bookstore. being there, read that. It's just <laughs> oh, it's a delight. So I will link to that in the show notes. And you can all be delighted by it also. Uh, and again, many many thanks to Jen for tracking that down for us.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Jess, do you want to talk about uh, your your plans later this month? Absolutely, that's apparently my word of the day. I mean, we both have to have one. <laughs> it's been a long
2: month. <laughs> so we we used to talk a little more about events, um, and you know, oh, you mean like back when there were events? <laughs> it's like I was, yeah, back when there were events, we talked a little more about them. And there are plenty of virtual events that I hope you all are still attending. Like the last date night with Alyssa Cole sponsored by or run by um, Loyalty Books in DC was this magical conversation between Alyssa, Beverly Jenkins and Brenda Jackson. And in the chat, someone mentioned an event That was happening in D.C. in October called The Raw Experience, R-R-A-W, Romance Readers and Writers, but we're calling it Raw. Um,
0: (laughs) I'm calling it Raw. Raw. Just because I (laughs) am contrary. And I... I'm still
2: listening to this magical conversation between Miss Bev and Miss Brenda, but of course I'm also on my other screen because I might have been listening to this while I was at work, looking up this Raw Experience thing and it was like, oh my gosh, it is a two-day event that will have panels, workshops, discussions, and close out with an awards ceremony honoring people like Brenda Jackson and Beverly Jenkins and Shirley Halestock and all of these, like, paramounts of Black romance while also inviting new people in to do these panels and attend these workshops and everything. And it's happening in Alexandria, which is across the river from D.C., my hometown. And I miss my mom, so I was like, I'm going to (laughs) go.
0: I think that's amazing. Oh, my gosh. It will be hilarious if it's in the same hotel as a Polycon. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not. But also, it will be hilarious if it is. Yes. Let me know because I can tell you from the meeting I did that wasn't a Polycon what's good at the hotel bar. Okay. The chicken tenders, top notch.
2: I will remember that. Um, so, yes, if you are comfortable traveling and and or live in the D.C. area, I would definitely recommend checking out the Raw experience. It's a bit expensive because the like all access ticket covers your attendance at this amazing award ceremony. Or you can do the, um, there's like a four hour um, meet and greet kind of thing where you can get books signed and all of that that I think is free. I think it's called the Expo. So, yeah, uh, the link for that will be in the show notes.
0: I'll make sure Trisha has it. Um, yeah, because I've been, like, Googling and a bunch of WWE stuff is coming up. So <laughs> I think I might need to just me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I could probably Google better, but I'm just going to let you send it to me. And then maybe after, Jess, you can talk to us a little bit about how it was. Do you have a sense that it's supposed to be, like, an annual thing or, like, a just, like, a one-time
2: I'm not sure. Like it feels it feels kind of one time because of the awards ceremony. Sure. But yeah, it could definitely become a regular thing. Um, I'm hoping it does because it sounds great. And the people the people who are putting it on are also very cool. (laughs) So
0: yeah, that's gonna be amazing. I'm very excited for you. And again, we we could talk about the wedding I'm going to, but it's it's way less cool. So, uh, so we won't. Uh, we have not forgotten that this is actually a book club episode of the show. We just had a lot of follow up, um, and I don't know about you, Jess. I'm actually very excited to talk about Witchmark. But maybe before we do, we
3: take one more break, and then we'll dive in. Yeah, let's do that. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him, unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloane Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my All right, uh,
0: I have to say, so again, hopefully some of you had the opportunity to read Witchmark by C.L. Polk. I loved this book. I really, really enjoyed it. And I am so glad that you put it on my radar because I we'll, we'll talk about whether or not it's a romance later on. But regardless, I have not read a book quite... Fantasy doesn't tend to be a thing that I read a lot of. And it's not because I don't enjoy it when I do. It just doesn't really cross my radar that much. Mm-hmm. And... I haven't read a fantasy that does this kind of world building in a minute. So I was really happy, especially with it being kind of a stressful month and with a ton of stuff going on. I was really happy to kind of lose myself in this world. No, don't get me wrong. A lot of really bad stuff happens in this world. But <laughs> yeah. uh, since it's fictional, I was very happy to to lose myself in it. I don't know about you, Jess, and I don't, I don't know how this came across your radar. Was it just kind of the regular bookish library world stuff yeah i mean like i like some
2: people who have who wrote into us have had this book for a long time um i think Mm -hmm. i have had a physical copy of it since like two or three bookstore romance days ago when i I remember ordering it from my local indie and you you know cl polk i have followed them on various socials for a while and I remember hearing about it and being like, "Oh, that sounds cool." And then the second one came out and the third one came out and they were like, "You like how my three books are the are the buy flag?" And I was like, "I need to read this now."
0: Oh, I didn't get that.
2: And then I just like I let it sit for so long. So one of the reasons that I offered it up as a possible book club pick was so that I would finally get around to reading it. Uh, and how do you feel about it now that you did? And I am very glad that I did. I actually like also ordered the second and third book from that same bookstore like a few days ago because I was like I could borrow it from the library or whatever, but I feel like I need to have that little buy
3: flag. Just sitting I think there. that's a delight.
2: And yeah, I was I think part of it part of it is the fact that I read so little fantasy now that I'm afraid that it's going to take me longer to get into. So I even actually um, Um. borrowed the audiobook to sort of get me started because I know that sometimes books that I can't really read in print, I I do better with an audio and I was enjoying the audiobook. It is also very well narrated. And then I wasn't going anywhere for a while. So it was like, well, I have the print. Let me just get into it and then I was done it was like two or three sittings <laughs> and it, it was just so easy to read and like you said the world building was so fantastic and interesting it feels like you could be in like Edwardian England but very much not and it's yeah. Like, it's, it's a really interesting world with really interesting people and an actual legitimate conflict. Oh, yes. Many. And I was, I was kind of worried about that element, in part because I was worried it was going to be, like, overwhelming, but I was also kind of worried that it wasn't going to be a real conflict. Like, I've read some, like... This is this is our world, but it's magical, and I thought it was going to be like save the world kind of magic, and it was just like I'm going to paint this wall with my magic. Mm -hmm. Parlor tricks. Yeah. So I was really glad that that wasn't this book. And like, yeah, like I'm really glad that I finally read it because it is definitely a highlight of my fall.
0: (laughs) Yay. Yay. Uh so before we go more into it, I will I will take a quick swing at trying to explain this book and then I'm going to let you fix all of the things that I did wrong. <laughs> okay, so we start with a doctor who, as Jess mentioned, is living in this world that feels a little it feels old. Edward I don't know when Edwardian England is. I don't remember when Edward was king, but uh what was would that have been like? The, that's the like 20th century? Edwardian is like um,
2: Oscar Wilde movies.
0: <laughs> oh, well, they had cars. Okay, well, it doesn't matter. The point is, yeah. it's before now. It's before now. <laughs> there are now. not planes. There are not cell phones. And it's it's a different world. There's a a, a war, a major war of some kind has just happened. Um, Miles, who is our main character and our narrator throughout the, the whole book, is a doctor in a veterans hospital. He's working as a psychiatrist, although he's previously been a surgeon. Um, And he is working with um, veterans who have basically what you would call post-traumatic stress disorder, probably like some version of that, but it's actually much, much worse because there is a magical element to it. And because Miles is magic, he is a witch. And most of the The people who are non-magic don't know that witches exist. There's this whole hierarchy of witches and he is sort of like not at the top, but he is like very heavily relied on by the top. So he's kind of in hiding. He left his Mm -hmm. family because he didn't want to be this sort of supporting actor to his sister who is at the top notch. And he really, he went to war and he has come back and he is trying to heal the people who are now dealing with this, some kind of magical PTSD and... He can't quite figure out how to do it without revealing the fact that he is magic to the rest of the hospital, most of whom are Mm non-magic. He is brought a patient named Nick who dies, calls him by his birth name, so he knows that this guy knows that he's magic. And the guy who brings Nick in, or watches all of this happen, Miles is basically like, Oh, now I'm screwed because this guy knows that I am magic. But this guy who... Uh, interestingly enough, goes through a progression of names in the book. And when he becomes <laughs> sort of an established love interest, he is Tristan. Uh, he starts out as Mr. Hunter, then he is very briefly Sir. And then <laughs> now he is Tristan at the end. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Turns out Tristan is not only also magic, but like, really like kind of an angel or <laughs> fairy or god or demigod of some kind, like he's big time magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's gonna help Miles like figure out how to figure out his powers because he never had access to that kind of training. And in the course of doing... If Miles helps him figure out who killed this guy, Nick, who died in front of him. Throughout the course of doing all that, they start to uncover this, what turns out to be a massive conspiracy. Miles gets sort of rediscovered by his family. There's a lot of things that happen. He and Tristan fall in love. You might argue that it's a little bit of, you know, insta-love. but We can get into that. But... I don't know, Jess, what else would you say by way of kind of setting up the plot of this book?
2: I think you did you did very well in setting up what's going on. And like you said, there, there was a war happening and all of the people are coming back. They don't just have like this magical PTSD. It's, it's like actually making them go out and murder people. So yeah. they really want to figure it out or miles in particular really wants to figure it out because he has all of these people in his ward that he cares about and he doesn't want them to go and kill their families and themselves so he sure and and then you know as things progress it's a much bigger problem like you said um so that's i feel like that that's kind of All we can say without like explaining everything that happens in the book, and I know we're going to get into spoiler
0: territory, but we don't have to do that just yet. Yeah, and I think we can avoid like at least some of the details of the book. Like I, I think even after you listen to this episode, it still is a book worth reading. Well, we'll we'll find out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll find out how how far we go into the spoiling. I will say, and we've talked about this when we were talking about the fact that we were going to read this book. There is a couple in this book miles tristan they are the couple it's maybe a little bit of a spoiler to say they do end up together at the end of this book but because it's the beginning of the series we actually heard from emily who emailed us uh who had apparently been trying to get to this book for a while and still didn't like and hadn't until we decided to read it emily mentioned that generally she thinks of all romances hfn happy for now because you never know what's gonna happen so to her that was not the thing that necessarily kept this from being a romance she did mention that she didn't necessarily see it as a romance because there's not a ton of i'll quote her directly i didn't feel like there was much of a relationship between them which i think is i think it's a fair observation right Mm -hmm. not a criticism because we're talking about whether or not it's a romance not whether or not it's a good book but Emily mentioned that the doctor's relationship with his sister, who I mentioned, does come into the book, and and really is a very kind of dynamic character, and you don't ever quite know where her loyalty is mm-hmm. right up until the end. When you do find out, dun dun dun, 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 dun. dun dun dun, is more that relationship is more the driving force of the book. So I don't know, just how you. I, I would say I think that's probably true that there is a relationship it is not as is generally true in a romance the central part of the story
2: yeah like in in a different part of the email Emily says that she would categorize this as more a fantasy with romantic elements and that that definitely feels right because the story is solving the mystery and I definitely would have enjoyed more interaction between the two romantic characters and that would have made it more of a romance, but the romantic element was there. It's not, it's not an, it's not, not a romance as in like somebody dies tragically at the end. So at least we don't have that between the two couple, between the two people who become a couple. There are yes. other people who do indeed die. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, to, like the other relationships and the other elements of the story definitely have a higher place in the tier of storytelling than their actual romance. Um, and it's kind of one of those where it's like, I wouldn't even have really known what was going to happen between them if I didn't already know. From the author that they considered it a romantic story.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like Tristan could have been any guy off the street. They might have become bros. He might have gone off to his own place never to be seen again. But I knew that there was at least a satisfactory romantic ending. Which is the one of the reasons I think maybe why I was willing to move forward with it
0: absolutely and i will say too i think i don't read it uh, as i mentioned i don't read a ton of fantasy i do read a little bit more probably like romantic suspense Mm. and in some ways this had it felt like it had that element because i think one of the things that happens a lot in romantic suspense is that you are so focused on whatever the thing is that's happening Mm -hmm. that that almost also is a little bit more of the focus that you know like who got murdered or who you know is about to kidnap one of the main characters or like blah 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 Mm -hmm. so oftentimes the relationship while being central at least kind of co-shares the spotlight with the plot and i felt like this was that Mm -hmm. right certainly not as much focus on the couple as like a contemporary romance or um even many historical romances but it did seem like there was uh there's tension with the supporting characters related to the couple. There was barriers that they had to overcome, including mm-hmm. the fact that they're, like, different yeah. species, maybe? I'm not really yeah, sure. Uh, I, I guess. But, like, so, yeah. So so I think I'm willing to kind of, I, I I do agree that it's probably fantasy with romantic elements, but I can see why somebody would, would shelve it in the romance section of their, their bookstore, for example.
2: Mm-hmm
0: absolutely what did you think of the writing of this jess i thought one of the things that i think worked for me is that so much of the exposition happened through dialogue which Mm -hmm. i know some people it makes them bananas but i especially for a book that had to do this much world building Mm -hmm. a lot of this book is dialogue and very not i'm gonna say very little of it is you know description or any of that but even the things that are description are really happening largely through dialogue. I like that. That worked for me.
2: Yeah, I think it really worked for me too. Like I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. But I like something about reading it. Like I like I said, it was really snappy and easy to read. And I think having people explain things to each other and have these kinds of conversations really helps build out like what's going on. Like, like the whole thing with all of the secondaries, that was almost completely in dialogue. Like it's from mm-hmm. the story is told from Miles's point of view, and he thinks about some of these things, but he doesn't he doesn't talk to them, talk about them to the reader like some narrators will do., um, So a lot of that stuff had to come out through dialogue because that's the only way we we're going to learn it.
0: Yeah. And I will say too, I think one of the other aspects of this that worked for me, That was a little different from what we might consider like a more traditional romance is that the fact, like we mentioned, Miles' sister Grace, you don't quite know what's going on with her or where things are going to land. if this had been a traditional romance, I would have assumed that I knew what was going to happen with her because she would be the person in the next book. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying she is or isn't the person in the next book. I don't know. I actually haven't looked up the other books yet, although I probably will and will probably read them. Uh, I think she might be, actually. (laughs) Well... All right, well, so, you know, <laughs> that tells you something about her. But the point is, like, since it wasn't, since this this book was not reliant on that,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I think that makes, I don't know, for me that made a difference too. Like, I, it seemed at any time, like, any of the supporting characters, because this author wasn't necessarily trying to build a romance series where everybody's friends and neighbors and siblings have their own books next, It made, it made, it led to a little bit more ambiguity that I don't even think I realized that I miss in romance sometimes you know Mm -hmm. like i i kind of wish that there was a little bit more of that in romance um at times and so i appreciated that about this absolutely yeah because you're
2: like you're not like looking at all of the characters going like oh who will we see next time Mm -hmm. yeah or figuring out how how everybody's going to fit into the romance series like exactly like the brothers or their friend group or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and you heard from somebody else maybe on Instagram or TikTok or somewhere.
2: Yes. Evie um uh reached out on Instagram and was very excited that we had chosen Witchmark for book uh for book club. Um she said it's one of my favorite books and I thought it was so neat. You picked it. Wouldn't have thought of it as a romance novel, but you made me reconsider it. So Evie, I don't know if you've thought about some of what we've talked about and think it could fall under the romance adjacent bubble but I hope to hear back from you about what your thoughts are
0: yeah and I wonder too just the, I mean certainly we can talk I feel like I keep asking you questions I haven't let you talk <laughs> at all about what you were thinking about and what you're wondering about so before I ask you my question I will pause for a second and stop being a jerk and let you kind of talk through any of the pieces of this you've been thinking about
2: no i like your questions but i will i will say that i do like this world and like i we talked about how there are three books in it and um i wonder if i will want more at the end even knowing that cl polk is probably not going to come back to it but I like the possibilities of what's going to happen in the future with all of the things that happen at the end and the discoveries that are made and all of that. So I am very curious about the rest of it. The relationship is questionable. Like, not questionable, like, is it a relationship? It is obviously a romantic relationship. But if that had happened without everything else going on, I'm not sure if it would have struck the same for me because we get to see so little of them interacting, even though we see so much of them interacting. I don't know what it is. Like you, you can tell as the story goes that they become they start to care about each other. And since yeah. it's from Miles's point of view, you get more of him, and um, you learn some things about Tristan that sort of made me wonder if. If it was going to go in a certain different direction as far as romantic identity goes. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But then that went in a different direction than what I was looking for. So, but I just, I will always say that I would have loved more. Because I could sit with these two and just sort of like listen to them talk about apples or something. Like I just want to see them interact more when it's not the highly stressful situation
0: (laughs) yeah it's rare i think that an author can convey that much chemistry that immediately and not have it feel it didn't at least it didn't feel to me forced Mm -hmm. which yeah well you've got the other two books so you're going to uh you know maybe maybe there's more of both of them coming your way we'll see i guess Someday, I think we're we're actually running a little long, but someday I would love to have a conversation about kind of the decision to talk about this as a fantasy versus a romance and what that meant for like marketing mm-hmm. and what it meant for the reader. Like, I wonder how many fantasy readers, if you said to them, oh, this is actually sort of a fantasy romance would be... Uh, disinclined to feel that way about it, mm. right? Like I wonder if there are fantasy readers who read this book but who would not consider themselves romance readers. I'm sure that there are some. Yeah. Um, and I yeah I don't know. I think you know we like we talked about. I think this probably is not fully what we would consider a romance, but we might be further into the romance camp than uh, some fantasy folks would would think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any parting thoughts on Witchmark, Jess? I'm
2: really glad that I finally got to it. <laughs> and I hope that maybe our discussion of it has pushed a few of you who are maybe still hesitant to to try it um, because it's not the bogged down
0: world of something that is a little more fantasy leaning. Yeah, I think that's very, very true. I also think for me, it was helpful to even have... Just a an understanding kind of a, I always have a really hard time with like what is fantasy and what is not fantasy and what is
2: mm-hmm.
0: like all of these you know I I've actually I've gotten I've gotten more into paranormal, I've gotten more into sci-fi, still not great at fantasy, so I would love Rex that people have. I will say that um, our friend and book riot colleague Liberty Hardy posted a, a tweet from uh, someone named Jessica Wade the other day. That says, I'm seeing a lot of discourse on the difference between science fiction and fantasy, and as a professional SFF book editor, I want to clear this up. Science fictions grow down from the ceiling, and fantasies grow up from the floor. <laughs> Easy. And that sounds so brief and so dumb, but it was actually really, really helpful for me. So, <laughs> so many thanks to both Liberty and Jessica Wade uh, for helping clarify that. I am... Very interested. And I, we were actually, I think we're kind of out of time, Jess. We were going to do some fantasy recs, but I don't know that we have time to do them. And maybe the way to do this is just to have all of you let us know what fantasy or what fantasy romance or romance fantasy. Romantic fantasy. Yeah. Romantic fantasy, fantasy romance books you are into because I think it's fair to say we both really liked this book a lot and I'd be interested in what folks are reading. Would be interested in reading more. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we can decide whether we have enough fantasy wrecks to talk about next time around or whether we want to do something else. But in the meantime, we would love to hear that. And please keep letting us know what you thought of Witchmark as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, let us know if you're going to go to Raw and you can see Jess.
2: Yes, I will be there
0: and probably telling us about it uh later on um many many thanks again to all of those of you who weighed in about the simple wild if you have thoughts about like how tiktok may or may not be shaping the romance discourse we'd be interested in those too please do read reading the stars again find the link come for the cover Stay for finding out why all of your past relationships failed well I think <laughs> this one's actually more focused on books but it's fine whatever <laughs> find out why all of your past book relationships failed mm-hmm. what else we got a, a huge huge thanks a second thanks to our wonderful audio editor Jen Zink she worked some magic on her last episode mm-hmm. and still was willing to send us this lovely McSweeney's article she is both good and great I don't know Jess what else we got if you have anything else that
2: you want to talk to us about that is romance related, like we hope that you're enjoying life, but please don't tell us about anything else. That was <laughs> weird. Anyway, if you want to talk to us about all of the things that we talked about today or books that you're reading, uh, you can send that to us um via email. Um, You can always send things to at com. Or uh, reach out to us on the various socials.
0: Indeed. We've said them enough times, I think people probably have it. So if not, look in the show notes because they're all there too. Yep. So I think that's it for the day. I a huge thanks to all of you for listening. As always, this was a delight. It was. And until next time, happy reading.